This afternoon, I've been asked to address four questions throughout this presentation uh, mingled with my life experience. And so before we start, uh, let me just give a, a prayer. Father in heaven, I, I thank you so much for being so good to us and for the many blessings that you've bestowed. Father, you know that I'm not worthy to be here, but I have a willing heart. Father, to please you, I ask for your Holy Spirit to work in each and every heart and in my heart as well, that you may speak to me and through me, Father, and that your words may be received and that it may give you glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay. So the first question that was asked to me was, explain why is it important to keep occupy in the Lord's work? Why is it important to keep occupy in the Lord's work? For me to answer that question, I need to know what is the Lord's work? What does it mean to do the Lord's work? What is the Lord's work? You know, people sometimes have a very distorted view of what God's work is. Um, if you remember Paul, or should I say Saul, uh, before he got converted, for him God's work was to kill and persecute Christians. And he would go to churches and try to get them and throw them in jail. And even nowadays, you know, there are some people who have that mindset of God's work is to criticize and to gossip and to persecute God's people, even within the church. Would you agree? Some people think that God's or the Lord's work are like a Pharisee's, you know, that they come in in tie and suits and, you know, nicely dressed, very modest, go to church every single Saturday, even go to Sabbath school. And, you know, they teach, they preach, they have this godly form, but at the same time, they're denying its power. Like the scribe in 2 Timothy 3, verse 5, they, they love the position, they love the respect from the people, but somewhere deep within their hearts, there's some sense that they cherish. Is that how we should do the Lord's work? Or is that even the Lord's work, like the Pharisees? Some people think that God's work is to be part of a ministry, just like Judas. Judas was part of the 12 disciples, right? He was seeing Jesus every day, and he was spending time with Jesus every day. And yet, in his heart, he had a selfish motive. He wanted temporary materials, you know, riches. He wanted power. He wanted, you know, to be, to, to, to be famous. You know, he, he wanted the earthly gratification that he thought Jesus can bring. But Jesus had something greater than that. Could it be that some people think that God's work is to sell the grace of God when it's real. You know, many times, sadly, there are ministries out there that care more about the money than actually the souls that they're ministering to. Is that God's work? Some people view God's work like Martha, who gets busy organizing and planning and going here and there and having meetings. And throughout all those work, they forget to spend time at Jesus' feet. Is that God's work? 
They value so much, you know, what people are going to say about what's happening or the meeting or the outcome of an event. That they forget that, hey, this is not about me, but it's about my Jesus. What is God's work? If you can turn with me in your Bible to John 6, verse 29. You will need your uh, Bible in handy because I'm going to try to go as fast as I can so that we can all (laughs) eat (laughs) very soon. So John, John 6, verse 29. If you're there, please say amen. Amen. Okay, these mics are falling down. <laughs> Can I just lay them here? Okay. What does it say? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Who is him here? Jesus Christ. God's work is for us to believe in Jesus Christ. But what was Jesus' work when he was on earth? Let's turn to John 1, verse 1 to 5. John 1, verse 1 to 5. And it says, In the beginning beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was? Was? the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended not the life that Jesus Christ lived was the light of men what is that light let's turn to 2nd Corinthians 4 verse 6 2nd Corinthians 4 verse 6 it's actually a beautiful Bible song and it says for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, had shine in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That light, what is that light? You guys, you didn't get it? No? What is that light? Yes. The light is the knowledge of the glory of God. We learned um, throughout the, the, this um, convention that the glory of God, represented in Exodus 34, verse 6 to 7, represents the, the character of God, right? So it's the light of the knowledge of the character of God through Jesus Christ. You see, at the beginning, throughout the great controversy, The devil accused God to be unjust. And his character was defiled and misunderstood even by angels and by many people. And even nowadays, a lot of people have no clue who God is and what his character and how he is. And so Jesus Christ came to earth to show who God is and what is his true character. And we read in 1 John 4 verse 8, A well-known verse. It says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. God is love. And Jesus Christ wanted to portray that His Father is love. Hebrews 10, verse 24. 
Hebrews 10, verse 24. It says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So let's, let me just rephrase everything and put it all together. The question was, why is it important to keep occupying God's work? We have to determine what is God's work. We saw in John that God's work was to believe in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ's work was to reveal the true character of His Father, which is love. For what purpose? In Hebrews, it says, to provoke unto love. Many times as Christians or as people, human beings, we tend to provoke each other in hatred. Right? Would you agree? We tend to, to uh, provoke each other into envy, into jealousy, but not in, in love. You know, in my family, um, we, uh, we're not very, um, let's say, uh, we don't show much affection, you know. And so when somebody shows kindness, you, you feel a little bit awkward to it, and, and you don't know what to do with it. Do you guys, can you guys relate? Yes? <laughs> So God's purpose was to show us His love so that in turn, we, th- there can be love awakened in us and we can love Him back. Make sense? Makes sense. Okay. So God provoked us in love. When you love someone, what happens? You start thinking a lot about them. Anybody have have been in love here? Really? Married people. (laughs) One. (laughs) What happens when you're in love? You start thinking a lot about them. You start admiring them. You want to spend time with them. You want to talk more with them. You, You want to be with them. You, you know, you, you cherish everything that they give you. You, you. And eventually, you know, when you get married and when, you, you know, you're always together, you start to sound like them and you, you, you tend to have the same mannerism and you share the same values and the share, you share the same principles and, and you have the same goals, right? And so God sent Jesus Christ to reveal His true character to us so there can be love awakened in us. And in growing in that love, we may become like Him. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, it says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory, the character of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The more you spend time with someone, the more you become like them. And so, again, let me just rephrase everything. So God's work is for us to believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's work is to reveal the character of His Father, which is love. And that loves awaken a love in us for Him in our hearts. And the more we love, the more we want to spend time with Him, the more we want to please Him. And in that process, our character is being transformed. You guys get it? All right. Philippians 1 verse 6. 
It says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Christ is working with our characters. Colossians 1 verse 27 says, Colossians 1 27, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ wants his character to be revealed in you. Now, concerning the the theme for this um, convention, what was the theme again? Empowered. What was the verse taken, um, where it was taken? Revelation 18, verse 1. And what does it say? You can turn there with me. <laughs> you should know this by heart by the end of this convention. Revelation 18, verse 1. It says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And glory was what? Character. So he longs for his people to have his character and to illuminate the world with it. How? How does that happen? Patriarchs and Prophets, page 233 says, Transformation of character is a testimony to the world of an indwelling Christ. The Spirit of God produces produces a new life in the soul, bringing the thoughts and desires into obedience to the will of Christ. And the inward man is renewed in the image of God. It says also that in Testimony, Volume 5, verse 267, that pray that the mighty energies of the Holy Spirit, with all their quickening, recuperative, and transforming power, may fall like an electric shock on the palsy-stricken soul, causing every nerve to thrill with new life, restoring the whole man from his dead, earthly, sensual state to spiritual soundness. You will thus become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and in your souls will be reflected the image of him by whose stripes you are healed. Desires of Ages, page 672, says, Sin could be resisted and overcome only through the mighty agency of the third person of the Godhead who would come with no modified energy, but in the fullness of divine power. It is the spirit that makes effectual what has been wrought out by the world's redeemer. It is by the spirit that the heart is made pure. Through the spirit, the believer becomes a partaker of the divine nature. Christ has given his spirit as a divine power to overcome all hereditary and cultivated tendencies to evil and to impress his own character upon his church. The Holy Spirit plays a very, very crucial and important role in the transformation of our character, which is an essential God's work in us. Now let's go back to the question. It says, why is it important to keep occupied in the Lord's work? And we came to the conclusion that the Lord's work ultimately is for him to be able to produce 
His character in us. Yes? Okay. You know, many times we try to do things on our own and without the Holy Spirit. For example, um, there's a parable in Matthew 13, verse 44. It's an example, a parable of the kingdom of heaven. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hidden in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Do you guys know what's the field? If you turn with me to Colossians 2, verse 1 to 3. Colossians 2, verse 1 to 3. While you're going there. So there's this man who goes to a field, finds treasure, and instead of taking the treasure out, he puts it back, and he goes back home, sells all that he can, so that he can buy the field, and eventually have the treasure for himself. Colossians 2, verse 1 to 3. It says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and, as, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So who is the field? Do you guys get it? Who is the field? It says, in whom are hid all the treasures. Where is it hidden? In Christ. Many times we try to get the treasure without buying the field. We try to minister to others without having Christ in our hearts. There was a time when I was a teenager, and um, I, was, I was so inspired, and I, I had such a zeal to minister to people, but I had no clue how, and I didn't know the principle, and you know, I just wanted to share, and I didn't know about the danger of you know, the different things, so um, I went to a bar, and rationalizing that, hey, I'll go to a bar and I'll talk to people and I'll tell them about Christ and, you know, and, and see what happens next, right? So that was about 15, 16, so I was underage. <laughs> Unfortunately, during my teenage years, I was involved with the wrong crowd and uh, they taught me many things in the world and they even provided a fake ID for me for me to go to clubs and to bars. And so I was used to that kind of environment. And so when I started to know Christ more and I started to, you know, um, to, to read the Bible more, um, those things were still, you know, attached to me. And so one day, you know, my friend invited me to go to the bar with him, play pool or, you know, have a drink. And I was like, hmm, bar, it's not really the place for Christian. But then at the same time, oh, I can minister to other people. So I rationalized and I went. <laughs> and I met this guy who had a lot of tattoo on him. And I started talking with him. And he was, you know, a bit tipsy because he drank so much. And he started opening up. And, you know, I was able to share a little bit more. And then I invited him to church. And he came to church. And eventually I learned that he wanted something else. 
And so it had to, I had to leave. <laughs> I had to leave him there. And so there are many times when we try to do God's work and to move forward and to, you know, to want to share him to others, but we don't really have him yet. Our characters are not really reflecting him. You know, we, we, we want to give the word out, but you cannot give something that you don't have. And so this parable is teaching us that buy the field if you want to have the treasure. And right now, Jesus Christ has all the treasure. Make sure that you have Jesus Christ in you before you even, you know, share it to other people. The Spirit plays an important role in our transformation of character. And the Spirit produces a Christ-like character in us. Matthew 25, it talks about the ten virgins. Five foolish and five wise. What was the difference? The five wise had oil. The five foolish, no oil. (laughs) Do you guys know what it means? I'm sure you do. I'm sure you've studied it before. But let me just maybe touch on it. Matthew 25. Let me just go there. Actually, I believe that the ten virgins are actually Seventh-day Adventist Christians. Would you agree? Because they say they're virgins. They're pure. You know, they have the pure doctrine, the truth. And yet within that church, you have foolish and you have wise. What's the difference? Okay, so the five wise, um, by the way, they all slept, right? No one was awake. They all slept. But the five wise kept more, kept oil. And the five foolish uh, didn't take enough oil with them. And so let me just read verse 3. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no, no oil with them. And the foolish to the wise, uh, and then they eventually said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Um, the oil represents the Holy Spirit. The lamp represents the Word of God. So everyone, all ten of them, had access to the Word of God. But only five wise had the Holy Spirit that produced a Christ-like character in them. So five was reflecting Christ's character The five had the word, but it wasn't produced in their lives. In the same way, with the foolish, um, the wise men who built his house on the rock, and the foolish men that built his house on the sand, one heard, right? The foolish is compared to someone who heard the word, but did not do anything about it. And the wise man was compared to someone who heard the word and put it to practice. And he was building on the rock. And the rock, um, and the, the house that stood on the rock, um, you know, it, when, the, when the storm came, it stood still. Now, let's go back to the question that we asked earlier. Explain why is it important to keep occupying the Lord's work. And the Lord's work, we came up with God wanting to produce his character in us. Why is it important? If you go with me to 1 Peter 1, verse 22 to 25. 1 Peter 2, 
sorry, 1 Peter 1, 22 to 25. It says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfined love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of men as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Everything that you see here right now will one day disappear. What's the only thing that will last? God's word reproduced in you. Christ's character reproduced in you. Only God's words will last. And so it makes sense to occupy ourselves in the Lord's work because that's the only thing that will last. Do you want to invest into something that would be in vain later on? That would be useless? All the things, and it's funny here because in in verse 24 it says, For all flesh is as grass. I need you to use your imagination. You know, picture in your head grass. And all flesh and all the people that you see here is like grass growing in the field. And all the glory of men as the flower of the grass. The glory of men, the achievements, you know, the the degrees that you have, the work that you have done here, the, the praises and the honor. You know, the, the, all the things that you could possibly imagine, uh, the millions of dollars or anything, you know, that would, you know, that, that man would praise you with here on earth is just like that little flower on top of the grass. And it says, the grass withereth, and because the grass withereth, the flower falleth away. When you die, what happens to your achievement? What happens to your riches? What happens to your degree when you die? To be useless, right? So the only thing that will last is God's word produced in you that makes a godly character. So is that question answered? Explain why is it important to keep occupying the Lord's work? Is it clear? Or should I start again? <laughs> God's character. Now, that's the main... Because, you know, it's useless to... Sometimes you would go on mission and God would reveal the defects of your character. He would reveal the things that you still need to improve and to change. He will bring circumstances before you so that your character may be refined even more and more. So God's work is really your character. And in reproducing himself in you, he gets to save other people. Right? Because when Jesus was here on earth, it says in Desires of Ages that nobody lived a life like he did. Nobody, you know, spoke like he did because his life was a testimony. His character was a light in itself. You know, he doesn't need to to brag or to broadcast or to create something that will 
you know, lift him up. He was just living a godly life. His character was the light of men. The question number two that was asked is, isn't it enough to go to church once a week? What do you think? Isn't it enough to go to church once a week? Well, my, my, my answer is with another question. Well, what is church to you? Is church just a building where people gather and, you know, they sing together and some people sleep, some people have their minds somewhere else while other are trying to entertain in front? Is that church? Matthew 18, verse 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Church is more than a building or an event. When you go to a birthday party, do you go there? Of course, because there's food. (laughs) But mainly because you're celebrating someone, right? You're celebrating someone's birthday. It's because of that someone that you're there. And, but... You know, sometimes people just go there for food and for, you know, social um, and friendship. And the same here for a wedding, you know. You don't come to a wedding because you want to party. It's because the person getting married is like, they actually mean to you. And many times we come to church forgetting the person that we come for, which is Jesus Christ. We have no connection with him throughout the whole, the whole week, and so when we go to church, everything seems boring. Do you relate? Many times, church is just another event, a weekly event. And some people have this mindset of, if they go to church every week, you know, when Jesus comes, they're going to be saved. Uh-uh. <laughs> That's not going to happen. It says in Matthew where, you know, God who knows everything says... At the end of time, I do not know you. Depart from me. You know, you can say, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, but God doesn't know you. Actually, in the Bible, there's a, there's a verse where it says, um, how, how you are known to God. And it's in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 3. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 3. And it says, but if any man love God, the same is known of him. If you love God, you are known by God. But then it says also that if you love me, keep my commandments. Christ in you. That's how God will know you at the end of time. Um... So isn't it enough to go to church once a week? No, it's not enough. You need to have a personal connection with Jesus Christ himself. Because ultimately, that's the first reason why you're even alive, you're breathing, and you're going to church. You know, in, in my early teens, um, I grew up as a Seventh-day Adventist. My family was Seventh-day Adventist, and we would have evening worship every, every day. And we would go to church every Sabbath, but I, I didn't have a personal relationship with God. I believed in Him. I, I knew that He was real. But I didn't understand the principles. Like, they would, you know, teach us Bible 
and um, the Bible stories, I would know them all by heart. But the principle behind them, I had no clue. And so sometimes when we would go to church, right after church, we would like, hey, let's go out to eat, you know? Let's go buy, uh, let's go to a restaurant and eat there. And, you know, right after, you know, we still tried to keep the Sabbath. <laughs> and so right after sunset, we would, you know, um, watch movies, scary movies and violent movies, and think that we are, you know, actually doing God's work and still in that saving relationship with Him when, in reality, we didn't have a connection with Jesus Christ Himself. And so it's very important for you to know the person. Know why you are doing the things that you're doing. Um, and, that, and, and that action should be motivated by love. And if that's not motivated by love, and because you have not known who God is, you have not experienced His love and what He has done in your life and for you on Calvary. So the, the answer to that question would be no, it's not enough to go to church once a week. The purpose of a church is like a team with one goal. And when that goal is met, you know, we can all go home. The question number three that was asked what, was, what happens if we don't participate in God's work? What happens if we don't participate in building a Christ-like character? It says in Psalms 127 verse 1, Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that built it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walketh, but in vain. If we don't participate in that work, nothing else matters anymore. Our life is useless. It's purposeless. Because everything that you do is temporary and it's all going to vanish one day. That's what happens when you don't participate in God's work. Um, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 and 14 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandment, for this is the whole duty of men. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And the last question that was asked to me was, Testify why did I quit my job to go to full-time ministry, and should everyone do that? Okay. Um, and I will end with this. <laughs> now you need to define full-time ministry. Full-time ministry doesn't mean that, uh, you know, you're involved into, you know, you can be involved into, like, a ministry, let's say, unseen media, or you know, any boots out there. Um, but the full-time ministry that I understand is Christ's method in reaching out to souls. And a friend of ours shared um, a sermon in Zimbabwe, and it was entitled Mikashlo, which is how Christ relates to, you know, to to people. Mikashlo is actually me for mingle. C-K-A is for care, uh, S-H is for share, and L-O is for love. It's Christ's method, uh, found in Ministry of Healing, page 143. It says, Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. 
Then he bade them follow me. So should um, testify why did I quit my job to go to full-time ministry? Because it was worth it. Um, it was like putting a treasure in heaven. And should everyone do that? You know, it really depends on your relationship with God. It depends how much time you spent with Him and where He tells you to go and what He tells you to do. For me, um, what's that with my testimony? Um, I finished high school in 2004. I didn't go to college, unfortunately. I started working when I was 15 and haven't stopped till February last year. Uh, this year. <laughs> I haven't been working for the past almost six months. And um, because God called me to, uh, to be a missionary. And um, we went to Philippines to do a mission trip with a unit ministry. And then afterwards, I went to Zimbabwe with the ECYC um, mission trip project. Um, last year was a very hard year for me uh, because... Um, <laughs> Because I was about to get married last year. And um, it didn't turn out well. And everything was down the drain. And it was to a point of giving up everything. Giving up ministry. Giving up God. Giving up family. There was just so many problems. You know, entangled in that one little issue. Um, to the point that I, I just wanted to walk away. And... God worked it all out so wonderfully um, through, through a person that showed me kindness in, in the times where I was very, very, very down. And that started, and that kindness, you know, gave me strength to build up my relationship with God again and to move forward with the work and to surrender everything, every, everything, that nothing hinders um, me from being entirely committed and submitted to God. And I'm in ministry right now because I believe that Jesus is coming very soon. And you can see it in the signs, you can see it in the people, in, in the temperature, and the politics, and all around you. And the more I, I study God's word, the more sorrow there is in my heart to know that there's so much people out there that doesn't know about him and that needs to be saved. At the same time, throughout all the circumstances and these trials and tribulation and these ministries, God has been showing the defects of my character and how he wants to produce a Christ-like character in me. Every single one of you and every single one of us has a journey. We have a race to run. And that race needs to be motivated by your love for God. Because if you're willing and you love Him, He can do anything for Him. It's, um, it's powerful. It says, a life that is hidden in Christ. You know, um, even death cannot... Cannot, um, cannot hinder you from the love of God. And so 
My appeal to you this afternoon is if you've been involved in a ministry or you want to get involved in a ministry, but you realize that there's still so many things that God has to teach you concerning your character, the way you speak, the way you treat others, and you want Christ to continue to work in you and to produce that character, that Christ-like character in you, and you pledge to make time for him, to spend more time in his word, to take him seriously, and to contemplate in his love every single day, I'd like you to stand up. It is a commitment between you and God that you admit that, Lord, I really want to be like you, and I want you to finish the work that you have started in me. God says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at your heart. He values your heart. He died for your heart. And he wants your heart. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you, praising you and thanking you for being a God of love. You've been so patient with us throughout our journey that you've been so merciful and so loving in many ways that you have um, worked in our lives so wonderfully. Father, we want, want to return that love in glorifying your name and in wanting to have Christ live within us. I pray, Father, that you will continue to work in each and every heart and that Christ may be fully seen in us, that you will finish the work that you have started. Thank you so much for these young people, Lord, that you have called. I pray that you will um, hold them accountable to their to their commitment to you in spending more time and in putting you first, last, and best in their lives, in our lives, Father, to seek your kingdom above everything else and promising that all the other things, Father, will follow. Thank you so much for everything that you have done. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.